guys. I'm Ray Bella, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. If you value this show as a free educational resource and you'd like to show your support, you can do so via Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding service that allows independent creators to get their work out into the world. If you donate as little as $2 a month, that's about what you'd pay for a mediocre cup of coffee, you'll gain access to exclusive episodes that are only available to contributors. And in the coming weeks, I'll be adding additional Patreon prizes like Words for Granted mugs, maybe some Words for Granted pins. I haven't gotten the specifics of the merch worked out yet, but trust me, I will soon. Just go to patreon.com slash wordsforgranted to find out more. You can also find a link to Patreon on my website, wordsforgranted.com. Thanks to David for his recent contribution. And if you're looking for another independent humanities podcast, I'd like to recommend Myth Take. Rather than simply retelling mythological stories in the podcasting medium, hosts Allison and Darren analyze the actual literary material from which these ancient stories derive. Sometimes they'll focus on a particular mythological character, sometimes they'll focus on a particular mythological theme, but whatever the topic, it's always a good time. All right, let's get on to today's show. I want us all to pretend for a second that it's the year 2019. In the United States, new and eager presidential candidates are about to embark on their campaign trails. Given the divisive opinions of Donald Trump's presidency, it may not be too early at this present moment to start asking ourselves, what are the characteristics of the ideal presidential candidate? Now, hold on. I didn't say your ideal presidential candidate. I said the ideal presidential candidate. I'm talking about the man or woman who can indisputably represent every single American's best interests all of the time. Of course, this is a loaded, pointless question because we all know how politics work. Based on differences in personal political beliefs, not everyone is going to agree on what those ideal characteristics are. Furthermore, it's pretty hard to have everyone's best interest in mind at the same time, but that's a discussion for somebody else's podcast. If we think in extremely broad terms like intelligence, ambition, or patriotism, then maybe we all could reach a universal consensus on this ideal candidate's ideal characteristics, but I still doubt it. For example, there may be people out there who think that if the president is too educated, then he or she will become an elitist, or that if the president is too ambitious, then he or she will overstep his or her boundaries, or that if the president is too patriotic, then he or she will lose sight of the larger globalized world. So, let's revise the question in our hypothetical scenario. It's the year 2019, and the U.S. presidential campaign season is about to begin. What are the characteristics of the unideal political candidate? Certainly, people would disagree on the answers to this question too, but... I suspect there'd be a little more consensus across the board. How many of you want a naive president? Anyone? Okay, how about an over-trusting president? Any takers? Unless any of you write into me after hearing this and disagree, I'm going to assume on everyone's behalf that the answer to all of these questions is no. 
That email is wordsforgranted at gmail.com, by the way. Yet, in spite of the conclusions of this thought experiment, the candid in candidate ultimately derives from the same Latin root word as the French word candide and the Italian word candido, both of which mean naive, overtrusting, or childlike. They also can mean pure or innocent. Candidate is also cognate with the English word candid, which typically means truthful, straightforward, or honestly unaware. Over the course of its evolution, the word candid took the pure and innocent aspect of its romance language cognates in a more specialized direction. I would take a candid presidential candidate over a naive or childlike one any day, but prior to my research for this episode, the etymological connection between candid and candidate is not exactly one that I'd be inclined to make. So what's the deal with this unlikely linguistic family tree? Like the etymology of inauguration, which we looked at last week, the etymology of candidate originally had nothing to do with politics at all. The modern meaning of candidate in English comes from the Latin word candidatus, which indeed meant candidate in the modern sense, but let's dig deeper. Candidatus comes from the Latin word candidus, which meant bright light or white. What do bright light and the color white have to do with candidates in ancient Rome? Now, I know what may have just popped into some of your heads because it popped into my head too. The Romans were a race of white-skinned people, and the word is a manifestation of a superior racial identity. It's a provocative assumption, but is indeed just an assumption, and a false one at that. The fact of the matter is that the word candidatus referred not to the skin color of ancient Roman candidates, but to what these candidates would wear on their campaign trails. If a Roman politician was running for office, the customary attire for his public appearances was a radiant white toga, bleached with chalk. The Latin poet Perseus famously described the ambition of political candidates as cretara ambitio, or chalked ambition. This chalk-white outfit was called a toga candida, which literally meant white toga. If a politician was wearing his toga candida, you might refer to him as a candidatus. Atus was a common Latin suffix used to indicate the possession of a thing or quality, so candidatus literally meant dressed in white, or someone who is dressed in white. Over time, the word came to be associated not with the dress of aspiring politicians, but the aspiring politicians themselves. And that's it, at least for the meat and potatoes of the story. But what was so significant about the color white? Why not a blue toga, or a red toga, or a polka dot color toga? And why did candida, which again is that root word for white, go on to produce the French, Italian, and English words candide, candido, and candid, respectively? None of these words' meanings have any ostensible relationship to the color white. Well, as it turns out, the answers to both of these questions are actually related. In ancient Rome, the color white was a symbol of purity. I should note that this symbolism was in no way unique to the Romans. White was, and still is, a symbol of purity, innocence, and sincerity in a wide range of cultures around the world. Depending on its context, white might symbolize 
spiritual purity, sexual purity, or moral purity, among other kinds of purity. Take your pick. As it pertains to Roman candidates, their white togas were a self-proclamation of, da-da, their purity. According to this symbolism, the whiter the toga, the more honest the political candidate. It's hard to know if Roman laymen actually believed this symbolism at face value. As 21st century cynics, the idea of an article of clothing reflecting a politician's honesty or purity may seem absolutely ridiculous, but here's a newsflash for you. Fashion influences what we believe about people all of the time. Let's say you're in charge of hiring employees for a reputable company, and a man with a fresh haircut and an Armani suit walks into your office. Before you even look at this guy's resume or he utters a single word, that haircut and that suit will influence what you're inclined to believe about him. That haircut says, this is a guy who cares to groom himself. And that suit says, this is a guy who has money, and not to mention good taste to go along with it. However, neither of these things are necessarily true. It's possible that this guy only got that haircut because he had an interview coming up. In reality, he could be a slob who doesn't care for grooming himself at all. It's possible that he borrowed that Armani suit from his rich friend, or even that he stole it from his rich friend, or better yet, that he stole it right out of the Armani store. The point I'm trying to make is that fashion has an undeniable psychological influence over us as a species, and in a world as superstitious as that of ancient Rome's, attaching symbolic value to an article of white clothing may have influenced the average voter more than you think. Now, I'd like you to recall that candidus, the root word of candidatus, not only meant white, but also bright light. That's because our eyes perceive pure light as the color white. Pure white is a color without hue, or in more poetic terms, a color without stain. This idea of a color without stain is where white acquired its metaphorical association with human purity, innocence, naivete, and so on. The connection between light and white in the meaning of candidus also produced a few other, less obvious English cognates. The verb form of candidus was candere, and it meant to shine or sparkle brightly. If something began to glow as a result of being heated, it was described as incandescent. This word passed into English as incandescent. The Latin verb incandere meant to start a fire, and this word passed into English as the adjective incendiary. And last but not least, if you wanted to produce light indoors in a world before electricity, you probably would have used a candela, which of course passed into English as candle. So incandescent, incendiary, candle, and candidate all share a linguistic heritage rooted in whiteness, or the production of light. However, the word candid, along with candide and candido, its French and Italian equivalents, have nothing to do with the physical phenomenon of light or the color white. 
Well, if you've been following along and connecting the dots of this episode so far, then you may have already realized that these words derive not from a literal sense of whiteness, but from the metaphorical sense of whiteness associated with the symbolic characteristics we've been discussing. Purity, honesty, sincerity, and so on. So if the symbolic sense of candide survived, why did its literal meaning die out? As Latin broke off into the Romance languages, the literal sense of conditus, meaning white, was replaced by the word blancus. Blancus passed into Italian, French, Spanish, and Portuguese as bianca, blanc, blanco, and branco, respectively. After the Norman French conquered England, the French word blanc was transmitted into English as the word blank. When blank first entered English, it in fact meant white or pale, but today has a more specialized meaning of colorless. Blank is attested in the early 1200s, but interestingly, Old English already had the word blanca, which specifically meant a white horse. Unsurprisingly, blanca was a cognate of blanc. That's because the word blanca was actually absorbed into Latin via Frankish, a now extinct West Germanic language once spoken by the Frankish people who were eventually conquered by the Romans. Old English is ultimately a Western Germanic language as well, so that's how it wound up with a form of this word blancus before the introduction of the French word blanc. This subplot of blancus is pretty tangential, but... I just threw it in there because I thought you might find it interesting. If some of you have lost track of the narrative, then that's okay. You can just forget I ever brought it up. So here we are at the end of today's episode, pretty far off from where we began. We started things off with a hypothetical modern political question and wound up talking about an old English word for white horses. But remember, the thing that initially piqued our interest was the semantic incongruity between the cognates candidate and candid. So that's how we got down this rabbit hole. To me, the most interesting takeaway from today's story is that even though Roman candidates once represented both the literal and the metaphorical sense of the Latin root word candidus, the modern meaning of candidate has no connection to either of these senses whatsoever. I suppose that most political candidates in the United States are white, but that's white in an unrelated sense. And as for candid candidates, I'd say that for many of us, that has the ring of an oxymoron. All right, that's it for this one, guys. Don't forget to follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. My Twitter username is at Words for Granted, and I'm on Facebook as Words for Granted. If you want to reach me directly, my email is wordsforgranted at gmail.com. If you love the show, please spread the word and leave a review on iTunes. I give you this spiel every time, I know, but those iTunes reviews are the number one way of getting more people on board with the show. Okay, see you later, everybody. Bye.